few years ago, I, I used to be involved in, in Cub Scouts when, when my oldest son was, was a, a Cub Scout and, and we used to take kids camping um, on these different trips and we would always share with them to leave the campsite in a better state than you found it. And, and, I, and I hope that's what people will kind of think about me. Uh, the school was already in a great spot when, when I arrived, um, but I hope they can realize that, you know, I, I've made it just a little bit better. Um, and, and I feel like I, I, I've been able to do that in, in these really small ways. And, and I hope that has a lasting impact. of the Quaker Matters podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Carlos Charias, who is a middle school science teacher here at Wilmington Friends. He is also our summer program director. And as you will find out throughout this episode, he does many, many more things. Carlos, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. At the top, I mentioned that you are a middle school science teacher here and that you are the director of our summer programs. But in addition to all of that, for the last decade, you have really been the driving force behind the school's organic garden and you harvest hundreds of pounds of produce each year for the Wilmington community. And this has allowed many Wilmington Friends School students to get involved as well. So I guess I want to highlight this part of your work here at Friends and just ask you, when did you first become passionate about gardening? I gardened as a kid with my dad, but, but mostly I was, I was kind of off on the sidelines, just kind of watching him do his work. Uh, and then I got my first teaching job in, in Maryland, and I was teaching horticulture, but I had no idea what I was doing. I even had a greenhouse, but I didn't know how to use it. It was all about survival that first year. Then, once I started working here, uh, I learned about Bellevue State Park and how they have these plots for rent. And so I decided, kind of arbitrarily, uh, I want to give gardening another shot. You know, I've had a couple couple shots at it before. So I, I waited in line uh, to get a, a plot at Bellevue, and you have to kind of like camp out basically to get a spot. They're highly sought after. And when I got to the front, they told me there were no more spots left. And so if you want to leave your name, you could. And so I left my name, went back to school to teach, and I got a call from Bellevue that same day to say, hey, uh, a spot just came open. It's, it's the worst plot that we have. It's, it's mostly shaded. It's poor drainage. Do you want it? And I, without hesitation, I said, I'll take it. And so I went to go check it out later that day. And when I, when I saw the space in the middle of this beautiful state park, you know, my eyes just kind of lit up. And I was really excited at possibilities, right, of this big plot, access to water and compost. The ability to bring students down um, to do work there was, was really, like, exciting for me. You mentioned there that you began your teaching career in Montgomery County, Maryland in 1999, teaching biology and horticulture. After your time there, you traveled to Brazil for four years where you taught middle school science as well. How did these four years in Brazil impact you and your knowledge of food? Food in Brazil is amazing. Every corner there are kind of like little shacks and little stores that sell, you know, different fruits and, and what they call salgados, which is kind of salty snacks and fried things. And uh, you go to the corner where we used to live in, in Rio, and it was just like a cornucopia of, of fruits from all different parts of Brazil. And you could be like, okay, I want to mix those two things together. They'd blend it up for you. And you've got this de delicious snack. 
And so um, it was like being a kid in a candy store to, to, to live in Brazil for four years and have access to all these different types of foods um, right on the spot, you know, minutes from, from where I lived. And so that was the kind of the first time I was living in a city and, and exposed to all these different types of foods. Um, and, it, and it really kind of opened up my palate to, to things that I, I just hadn't tried, you know, growing up in, on the East Coast. After coming back to the States and beginning your Wilmington Friends career, how important was it for you to become involved with the Lutheran Community Services and help out the city of Wilmington through harvesting food? They, they had an informational session, and around the time I was looking to do volunteer work in Wilmington, I was new to the area, and um, I wanted to, to be able to, to serve in some way. And so I went to this volunteer session, and they explained uh, to the volunteers there their mission, what they do, their expectations, um, and, and they just did a great job of laying it all out, of why they do what they do, and I was just really impressed at that. And so we started. I started working in their food pantry, and then from there it was... It was like they needed more volunteers, and so I started this after-school club where we went there to, to stock shelves and to, and to pack bags. And what I found was that at Lutheran Community Services, they, they, they talk with all the volunteers every time we go there and explain the value of what we're doing and why it's important. And, and I think that really resonates with, with the volunteers. And so um, they, they were the ones that really kind of kicked off um, my interest and, and kind of passion for for giving back and, and, and in particular giving back in the way of providing food. How did this time of you volunteering by yourself with Wilmington Friends School students inspire you to acquire two plots at Bellevue State Park to harvest your own food for them? All the foods in the pantry at the time were processed and kind of shelf stable and they certainly fulfill a need, right, for people in the community that are food insecure. but. In talking with the the people that worked there, it, it became clear that they they were in need of fresh food. That's like the best, and it was the thing that they had the least of. And so here I am, a middle school science teacher with access to students and to now that we have a plot at Bellevue and one here on campus, that was like a difference that we could make where we didn't necessarily have to go to Lutheran Community Services to, to work. We could actually do the work outside of that and then bring the food there. And so we were able to supplement what they were already doing um, and kind of fulfill this need they have. And, and, and we're able to do that today, right? Take things that we grow, we take it there. They have um, open pantry for, for people to come in and take what they need. And they always share with us and we're able to see it. When we take our produce there, it's gone immediately. Like it, it doesn't last on the shelves, right? It's, it's usually the first thing that goes. And I think that makes the volunteers that, that are harvesting and taking care of these things um, feel really good about the work they're doing, knowing that uh, people really want that over, you know, the processed foods that, that they would normally get. In what ways did the gardeners at Bellevue help you and your own gardening skills? The gardeners at Bellevue are a band of characters, all of them. They're mostly retired, and they always have something to say. And that first year, it was a lot of them just kind of watching me and as I kind of toiled with seeds and my tools and my, my you know, tiller, it was a lot of just kind of shaking their head in disapproval as, as they watched me do my, do my work. But, um, but I think once they realized that we weren't going anywhere and we continued to ma maintain that space, friendships started to be built and people around you just didn't change. They come back year after year and, and those friendships kind of 
forged into sharing of tips, sharing of produce. Hey, I, I have extra garlic this year. You want some? Sure, I'll take some. Hey, I've got extra cucumbers. You want some of these? And so it's become like a real, you know, pleasure, right, to 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 work there and to talk with with my neighbors who are on all four sides. And then I think the other thing is they really, really enjoy seeing the students work there when we bring kids there. Like they're, that's like a little bit foreign to them because they're, they're, I think they're used to working on their own. And here we are bringing 11, 12, 13 year olds there. Um, and in some cases, lower schoolers to, to, um, to maintain the plot over the summer. You acquire the plot at Bellevue in 2013. And then a couple years later, we get our own organic garden here at Friends. How special of a moment was that for you? That was the best when they, they decided to build those raised beds here. I think that was the indicator to me that the school was starting to take this seriously and seriously enough to, to make this beautiful deck and build these eight raised beds. And it's also close to the school where we could access it in minutes from my classroom. And at Bellevue, the pests, the animals are just a nightmare. It, they, they eat everything if, you're, if you don't cover it up, if you're not careful. And so here at the school, the plots that we have, or the raised beds that we have are surrounded by three sides by the building. And so we have very few issues with pests, animals, things like that. And at Bellevue, it's just, we're just trying to do the best we can there. But it is in the middle of a state park. Likewise, and I saw you out there working hard this summer on it. I saw Carbone's crew working hard out there this summer on it. We now have a greenhouse on campus. How special was that? That was also amazing, right? To, to, to be awarded a few garden grants, to be able to put us in a position to be in striking distance of a, a really nice greenhouse, and, and to know that this, this greenhouse could be used all year long, as opposed to normally what we would do around this time is shut things down, right? Winter is, is here, it's getting cold out, and we just kind of cover everything up and pick it up again in the spring. And now we just continue to go. So when we receive those grants, and receive some funding from alumni, it was really exciting uh, to know that we could, we could continue what we started in the fall throughout the winter well into the spring. I think it's pretty clear, whether it's through this conversation or through your demonstrated actions, acquiring the land at Bellevue a decade ago, then having an organic garden here, building the greenhouse this summer, that you have a true passion and love for this. How does this passion, how does this love for harvesting food and, and gardening enhance you and your work as a classroom teacher? So I, I teach science, gardening, food, and, and connecting that to the concepts we teach in science is win-win. Is uh, you could imagine being a middle schooler and going to class and your teacher tells you that you're gonna eat the lab today. And, and we do that. So I used to teach chemistry and we learned about solutions and mixtures and we would kind of teach it and, and I look back at it now, it's kind of the examples I gave were boring and you know, I have no idea if anyone remembered anything when they left my class. And, and now we're learning about mixtures and solutions and we do that through the lens of salad, right? So let's, let's make a salad, let's make a dressing, let's talk about the concepts in that that we would normally learn in, in our chemistry unit. Um, and now let's eat it. And now let's also talk about what value these things are for us in our bodies. Like why would we eat kale, for example? Um, why would we why would we put balsamic dressing and there's all these health benefits so we're able to kind of connect all those pieces and then get like a meal out of it and then learn science and and I think that that will stick around much longer than my you know lame examples that I used to give you know years ago when I wasn't kind of incorporating food in, in my lessons how does working in the garden and harvesting this food help build a greater sense of community so 
there was um, a project years ago where where teachers in the middle school were being interviewed by by middle school students, and I remember something that a colleague and friend of mine, Paulo Machado, said uh, when he was interviewed, and, and the students asked him, "What what is your favorite?" most favorite work of art and he's a visual arts teacher and so I think they were expecting you know the Mona Lisa or a sunflower or something like that and and he said a well-run farm was his favorite work of art and and I don't think the students were expecting that and I remember he said that and it really kind of stood out to me because you can't run a farm on your own uh, it takes people you need volunteers you need helpers you need people to prep the soil. You need people to plant the seeds. You need people to harvest. You need people to weigh. You need people to wash what you harvest. And so that requires you know, the strength of a community to, to do. And so um, it's a place where everyone has a role to play. We just had lower schoolers out here over the last two weeks planting garlic. And that garlic that they planted just two weeks ago is already sprouting. And then I'll have them come back in in, um, in June to harvest it, right? So they'll see the whole cycle. And so in that way, we could bring classes up here. We could bring parents. We could bring summer campers. And so it's really kind of a group effort. Um, even, the, even the Jones House staff worked over the summer to do some work. No one saw them, um, but they did some work, and it made a huge difference uh, in, in what we were able to harvest this year. What do you hope students take away from their time working in the garden? I think... What I hope they take away is that they have some choices in the food that they, they eat. And if they're able to grow their own food and learn about what that food does for their bodies, that will help them to make informed decisions uh, down the road, right? When they're in the middle school or an upper school and they have access to food in the cafeteria, um, they might give a salad another look or a vegetable that is on, you know, on the line another look as opposed to going straight to the sweet and salty stuff. And so that that's one of the things I hope they take away. And then of course, just the practical, you know, skill of being able to grow your own food. I think that's that's a life lesson that they could be doing well beyond, you know, the walls of, at, at WFS. Knowing that you have not only an organic garden on campus, but a greenhouse on campus, five, 10 years down the line, what do you hope to accomplish? Pie in the sky is that we have all three divisions involved, right? Lower school, middle school, and upper school. Everyone having a role to play. We have not only a growing program, but and also this service program. We're able to provide produce to, to different agencies we partner with. But we also have a culinary arts program where we're able to learn about nutrition, cooking, and that, that's ultimately where I would like for this to go. And, and we, we started to do that in, in, in the sixth grade science classes. We have uh, different things that we use to cook with here. We have a bike, bike blender. We have, um, we have griddles that we use. It's on a small scale, but I, I would like to kind of make that a little bit more integrated in, you know, in all three divisions as opposed to just being the sixth grade. Aside from your work as a classroom teacher and obviously all that you have done with the garden here, you are an avid runner. You have run multiple 50-mile races, 100-mile races, and you most recently competed in the Mid-State Massive Ultra Trail. Why in the world do you do this? I love running uh, in the forest. It's, it's all trail running. And so uh, forests are awesome places to be when you are just trying to you know, get away and, and have some time to think. It's really easy on your knees and your, and your ankles. 
And um, the thing I love about trail running in particular, and, and especially these races, is that the community is pretty like amazing group of people. Um, what I found is that no one takes themselves seriously, even though they're running these ridiculous distances. People are pretty low key and, and kind of, um, I don't know, they just have a lot of humility about you know what they do. And, and, um, and then the other thing is that, you know, I, I, want, I, wanna, I wanna live long. And so I, I do this for, for my own health and, and having a goal like being able to run 100 miles puts me in a place where I really need to train for it. And I, I, want, I want to, you know, enjoy the second half of my life and I feel like running is a way to do that. And then the other thing I'd say is that if I can run 100 miles, like what else am I capable of doing, right? What else can I do with my time? And, you know, that's a physical feat, but, you know, there are other things I want to do. Knowing that I could do that makes me think I could probably do other things too. What's something else that you might want to accomplish? A great question. Something else I want to do is I want to restore my 1979 Super Beetle that's been sitting in a garage for the last... 25 years waiting to be restored i would love to have the time to do something like that i have to get back to carlos the runner can you please tell our listeners the story of you and the chipmunk that you may or may not have seen on a trail run these long runs do funny things to your body and to your mind and this summer i ran a 100 kilometer race that started at two in the afternoon, which meant that you had to run overnight, which I've never done before. I don't enjoy running at night. I typically run during the day. And so knowing that I needed to run at night, it, it, it required just a different level of preparation. But what I found was that after running um, all night long and then into the morning around 7 a.m. Uh, as I was running down a trail, I saw what, what appeared to be a smiling chipmunk just waving at me. And it has just made me so happy to see that chipmunk. I was out there by myself, losing my mind. And, and at that point, I felt like a drunken sailor on that trail. And then as I got closer, I realized it was actually just a leaf and a stick. And so for a moment, that, that chipmunk was like my own kind of woodlands cheering section uh, when, when I needed it the most, but finding out that it wasn't there. Um, I shared that story with, with Susan Finizio, and she sent me a, a text message during my 100-mile race of a, of a gif and a, and a chipmunk waving, and I, I thought that was, that was uh, hilarious. I didn't see any chipmunks waving during that race, but I saw other things. You give so much of your time and effort to friends and truly embody what the school is about. As a classroom teacher, as a middle school coach, summer program director, and obviously all the work that we've talked about here with the gardening program, why do you give so much of yourself to friends? I didn't know what a Quaker school was before I got the job here, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just, I, I enjoyed my conversation with uh, the people I met when I was interviewing. And once I began learning about the school, it became clear that all the values of the school really align with my own values. Um, and so since I've worked here, I, I've, I've felt nothing but support from um, my colleagues, from administrators and, and any interest that I have, whether it's gardening or whether it's, um, you know, the sabbatical that I, I did a few years ago in Brazil, um, just a lot of support. And, and of course, my, my kids go to school here, right? And they, they're, they're lifers and, and I'm, I'm super grateful. And, and I, owe, I owe a lot to, to the teachers that kind of shaped them to be the people they are today. Um, and, and it makes me really proud to be part of a community that, that can do something like that. So. Um, those are just a few reasons why, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing what I do here at the school. 
obviously it's a bit different here with you being a classroom teacher and your two sons attending school here, but what is that experience of sharing friends with them like? Well, I, I work with a lot of teachers that teach my kids and, and I know them and they're friends of mine and their colleagues. And it, it, it's, it's just a very, how can I say? I enjoy knowing that they're going to be the ones at the wheel when, when my, my kids get to that grade level, right? Um, because I, I know them, I trust them. Um, I know they're, they're well-qualified and incredibly caring people. And I work summer camp as well. And so I, knew, I know a lot of the lower school teachers. And so in that way, it just makes me feel good that they're going to be able to have an opportunity to work with these amazing people that I get a chance to work with. We'll transition here to our Mad Minute segment to help the audience get to learn a little bit more about you. What's your favorite food? Favorite food would be acapurias, which is a, a fried um, salty food from Puerto Rico. Delicious. Favorite song? Favorite song would be The Roots, Everybody is a Star. Favorite movie? Favorite movie, Motorcycle Diaries. What are you currently binge watching on Netflix? Since uh, The Queen's death, I've been binge watching The Crown and I've become fascinated with, with British royalty. Time for the Ring the Bell segment. Same two questions to each guest. What do you want your legacy to be at Wilmington Friends? Or another way to look at this is, what do you hope students, after they have had your class and go on to graduate and leave Friends, what do you hope that students say about you? A few years ago, I, I used to be involved in, in Cub Scouts when, when my oldest son was, was a, a Cub Scout and, and we used to take kids camping um, on these different trips and we would always share with them to leave the campsite in a better state than you found it. And, and, I, and I hope that's what people will kind of think about me. Uh, the school was already in a great spot when, when I arrived, um, but I hope they can realize that, you know, I, I've made it just a little bit better. Um, and, and I feel like I, I, I've been able to do that in, in these really small ways. And, and I hope that has a lasting impact. My last question for you, what is your why? What is my why? What is my purpose? I think my purpose, my why is for things to continue well after I'm, I'm gone, right? So I, I want to think that if I leave the school and do something else, I move or um, retire, which seems like it's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I, want, I want students or, or anyone I've, I've worked with to be in a position um, to, to, to carry on, right? So let's say I, I leave and the garden is in need of uh, someone to take over. I hope that someone um, will be able to do that from based on what I was able to teach them or you know what what they learned from being with me so it's 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 that sustainability piece being able to carry on when, when I'm gone 